You're listening to Comedy Central. Facebook has their name, guys. This is a good day. Facebook has their new name. Yeah. They're now going to be called M- Meta, right? M- is it Meta? That's it? Meta. M-E-T-A. Meta. And like, I, I didn't think it, it, like, it would be possible to pick an even more evil sounding name. Because like Facebook didn't sound evil. The company was just doing evil things. It was making us hate each other, right? It's like, yeah, we're just going to switch to something a little more family friendly. Meta. It feels like every time Zuckerberg says that, someone behind him is going to be like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so welcome to this shareholder meeting at Meta. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what, like, who are these? Also, like, I, I still don't understand why they thought the name was the thing. Why does Facebook think the name, nobody cares about the name Facebook. That's not a problem. Facebook, we don't care. Now you change the name. That has nothing to do with all of your problems. You're making the whole world hate each other, and then you're changing your name. That's the thing you're changing. You know what I mean? Little kids are hating themselves because of Instagram. You're changing your name. Imagine if Hitler came out in like the middle of the war. He was like, okay guys, okay, yeah, yeah, I've heard your feedback, and I've gotten your messages, and I understand what I'm doing is not great, and so from now on, I'm going by the name Gary, yeah? Okay, cool, so Adolf, no more. From now on, Gary, and I'm shaving the mustache, yeah? Okay, toodaloo, I'm off to France. (laughs) You know what I mean? None of us would be like, yeah, that solved it. It would be funny, though, if Gary was invading. That just doesn't, you know? Hitler sounds evil as well. Hitler, it really does. Hitler, Adolf, Hitler sounds, Gary's coming. (laughs) Just be like, you know? What, what, did he, did he forget his umbrella? What's... (laughs) Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, ears edition. Tonight, the Democrats might be doing something. Squid Game, dunks on LeBron, and Kristen Saltis Anderson. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. And joining me for today's headlines is our very own Desi Lydic. What's going on, Desi? Hey. How you doing? So good to see you again. Good to see you. I'm good. I'm good. Everything's good. I'm just, um, you know, getting ready for the holiday. Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of, I don't know. I'm like dreading it this year, you know? Oh. I just feel like there are going to be so many people dressed up as Karens. It's like my culture is not a costume. Listen, if I see one Karen costume, I'm calling the cops. F*** around and find out. Where's my camera? around and find out. Huh. Anyway, do you celebrate Halloween? Um, no, no. Where I'm from, generally, like, witches and goblins were things that would get you killed. So you would try not to be that. Yeah. Let's go with that. Let's go with your way. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with Halloween. Okay. Anyway, I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to have you here. And let's, let's do it. Let's kick things off with the big news in Congress. The only place with more infighting than an episode of Succession. After months of whittling down the bill to satisfy Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, today, President Biden finally revealed what's left of his big social policy bill. And a lot of what was originally there is now gone. Like, free community college is out. And so is paid family and medical leave. Which means America will remain the only nation in the world where women try to give birth during their lunch break. USA! 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 
Oh, and Medicare won't cover the costs of dental or vision care for seniors, but it will cover hearing, which makes sense. You know, Biden made sure that that stayed in. I mean, when you've got a president who whispers as much as he does, you've got to make sure that people can at least hear him. Plus, if you have hearing, you don't need vision. You know, people can be like, hey, look out, duck, and you'll be fine. But there's still a lot left in the bill that Democrats want, right? Things like universal pre-K, uh, an extension of the child tax credit, and half a trillion dollars to fight climate change. And today, President Biden went on TV to tell America why it needs this bill. And man, he did not sugarcoat the situation. 30 years ago, we ranked number seven among the advanced economies in the world as a share of women working. You know where we are today? We ranked 23rd. We used to lead the world in educational achievement. Now the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development ranks America 35th. Our infrastructure used to be rated the best in the world. Today, we rank 13th in the world. We can't be competitive in the 21st century global economy if we continue this slide. Damn, Joe Biden is scolding the nation. But I, I do understand what Biden is saying. America in the past used to be great, and it should be made to be that way again. Huh. Someone should put that on a hat. And the sad thing, the sad thing is that Biden wanted a much bigger bill to address all these problems, but the bill that he's trying to sell now is much smaller than that. You know, it's like a doctor telling you, in order to cure your cancer, I want to cut the entire tumor out. And then when you wake up from surgery, he's like, so all I could do was rub a little Vicks on it, and I hope that helps. Dr. Manchin wouldn't let me use the scalpel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, who ranks infrastructure? Like, I've always wondered this. Because you realize there's a world ranking of countries by infrastructure, but who is that person? Who ranks? Is this like a guy who goes from country to country rating bridges? This is a guy who's running around, and he's like, that bridge is trash! Yo, that bridge is great! Yo, that bridge is really great. Yo, I'd f that bridge. Shit. I've always kind of been attracted to a covered bridge, you know? It's like, what are you hiding under there, Mr. Bridge? It's like so much mystery. You thought of that, right? No, I, I genuinely have never thought. Don't I've tell never me you haven't thought of that. I've You've never of thought of a bridge once. being sexy, ever. Like one time. Never. A little bit. Maybe the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, right? I'd f that bridge too. I said attractive, and you took it to the next level. Okay, all right, fine, I took it too far. The thing that I can't get past is the fact that they want to drop this whole paid family leave thing. Like, I am trying to get paid to leave my family. It's really messed up, especially no. now. Like, this whole holiday season, it's so stressful. Have you ever tried to shop for a Halloween costume for your kid? No, it's I... like a war zone in those stores. I had a lady pry a costume right out of my hands just because it was still on her kid. Very competitive situation. Look, huh. I gotta create a magical holiday for my kid, you know? You gotta do what you gotta do. It's a really painful, sad story. Well, I don't know why you had to make it so sad. I apologize, Daisy. It was perfectly appropriate the way I said it. Yeah, I, I have a tendency to bring things down. All right, well, well, this will bring us up. Let's move on to our next story. It's about gender. You know, how you know what section of a clothing store to look around in before you buy it later online. More and more people are accepting that gender is fluid and that people can have different gender identities aside from male and female. 
right? There are gender-neutral pronouns, gender-neutral bathrooms, gender-neutral gender reveal parties, which is the most progressive way to waste your friend's time. And now, gender neutrality is coming to your most important government documents. A milestone in recognizing the rights of people who do not identify as male or female. The U.S. Department of State has issued its first-ever gender-neutral passport using the letter X in place of M or F to indicate gender identity. The State Department also announced there will no longer be a requirement to provide medical certification of a person's gender if it does not match the one listed on other identification documents. They say they plan to offer the gender-neutral passports more broadly next year. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, people, this is, this is unfair. Why do I have to be stuck with a boring-ass letter like M when other people can get X now? Like, X is by far the coolest letter. X-Men, X-rated movies, Malcolm X, the X Factor, huh? It means there's something special about you. But the M Factor sounds like the North Korean translation of The Matrix that's translated back into English. I mean, for real, though, it's great. It's great for, like, people who are gender neutral, but, like, I, I don't even understand why gender needs to be listed on passports in the first place. You're letting a person into a country, not a nightclub. The customs dude is not gonna be stopping you at the border like, hold up, hold up, buddy. It's a real sausage fest in there right now. Hold on, hold on. I need a few ladies to come on in. Come on, man, come on in. And I know some people are gonna say, this is a security risk, Trevor. The gender on a passport helps you confirm a person's identity. Let me tell you something. Passports are already terrible at confirming somebody's identity because passports last for 10 years. No one looks the same in their photos after 10 years. I mean, black people do, but not like the rest of you. Y'all age like bananas. <laughs> and hey, I'm, I'm glad they're updating anything on the passports. Like, I mean, it's the 21st century. I can pay for stuff by waving my phone over a chip. But when I travel, I'm still gonna carry around a little book that they make me put a stamp in. I feel like I should be boarding a steamship to my vacation. It's an arduous journey, but a better life awaits us in Cancun. It's gonna be really hard for us. It's a long journey flying on United Airlines. But my father took this trip and he never made it. And this could be it, a new life for us in a new place that has unlimited margaritas. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Why they still use the passport? It's a good accent. That's really good. Thank you. Thank it's you very, very much. Yeah, I think in a previous life I was a British person who was leaving to come to America. I believe that. Yeah, that's, I like, my, that. that's like my vibe, you I know? get that vibe from you. Yeah, do you, like, the passport, I mean, you know? I love using my passport. I love it. Sometimes when I want to feel fancy, I just like taking my passport to places that I know are gonna card me. Like yeah, your, it really, it really- Like your actual, wait, 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 your actual yeah. passport? You go around with it? Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, like when I want to feel a little extra fancy about something. Wow. Yeah. It really makes Buffalo Wild Wings feel like I'm not gonna throw up there in four hours. Not from the alcohol, from the food. I once had a trick-or-treater throw up in my house. And th this is why I'm not passing out candy this year. I'm just gonna take a basket and fill it up with everything that I wanna get rid of in my house. Old batteries, clamshell packaging, chargers, those tiny little hangers that come with socks. Just get rid of all of it. It's like a twofer, because then word gets out, and then the kids don't show up, and you can finally get a good night's sleep. And also, you get to clean out your apartment. But the joy of Halloween is, is like the treat, no? God, you have so much to learn, Trevor. Huh. 
It's, it's, I mean, it's an effective system. I've never Situation. thought of using children to clean out my apartment that way. Yeah, it's very which, effective. Which trick-or-treater threw up in your apartment? Like, who were they? Legally, I'm not allowed to say. It might be a relative. You live an interesting life, Desi Lydic. Thank you. All right, well, now that we all have our passports, let's head to the airport for our next story. And uh, if you've ever thought that you were stuck at the airport for a long time, you have got nothing on this guy. He was arrested after living in Chicago's O'Hare Airport for three months. Yeah, he was just crashing in the boarding area until police finally noticed something was wrong. And honestly, I think we give the TSA a hard time for racial profiling, but I have to applaud them this time. I mean, this guy was hanging around the airport for three months and the TSA was like, whoa, 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 let's not jump to any conclusions. Good for them. And that was the right call too, because now a judge has ruled that this man didn't break any laws. And also he had a pretty good reason for not wanting to board his plane. The man was supposed to fly home from Los Angeles to India, but he says because of COVID, he was too scared to fly internationally. A judge has now acquitted him of felony trespassing. Yeah, the dude slept in an airport for three months because he was that scared of getting COVID on a plane, which sounds ridiculous now, but guys, you remember what it was like back in 2020, right? We all went a little overboard back in the day. Like when COVID was still new, everyone was panicking. I mean, for a few months, I was so scared of COVID, I wasn't even washing my hands. The only thing I don't understand is how he was able to afford living in the airport for three months. Have you seen airport prices? Like a flaccid turkey wrap costs 20 bucks. For what this guy probably spends on food, he could have just bought his own private jet. I will say though, this story could have only happened at a nice airport like O'Hare. Yeah, if this guy had been at LaGuardia 20 minutes in, he would have been like, please get me on the plane. I'll take my chances with the virus. I'll take my chances with the virus. Have you ever been stuck in an airport? Oh my God, I spent way too much time in an airport. I know, right? I'm, I feel like I'm constantly in airports. It's kind of like that guy's living in that Tom Hanks movie, Terminal. Yes. Right? Yeah. But I guess if you're gonna live in a Tom Hanks movie, that's the movie you wanna live in because you definitely don't wanna be like stranded on an island or fighting in World War II, you know, or that movie Philadelphia, where he had to live in Philadelphia. It's tragic. No one should have to go through that. No one. I think I'm gonna do what this guy did, and I'm just gonna live in an airport for the entire holiday season. Just avoid the whole mischief night thing, you know, like toilet papering houses, yeah. egging windows. I, I have you. to do that to all the kids' houses in the neighborhood. It's exhausting. You do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a preemptive strike. But it's okay, I do my own house too, so that way they don't know that I'm the one doing it. Well, I mean, at least you're being considerate. Right? Yeah. Big picture. Yeah, well, well, Thank you so much for, for joining me, Desi, and uh, have a happy Halloween. Ah. Yeah, I, I, I hope you enjoy it, and I, I hope, did you end up getting the outfit for your kid? <sighs> yeah, but, um, do you hear sirens? Yeah, that's just Times Square. No, no, Desi, Desi, it's just Times Square. Desi, Desi, they don't arrest white women. Oh, man, she didn't need to run. All right, well, um, we're gonna take a quick break, but when we come back, Ronnie Chang and Roy Wood Jr. are gonna be catching up on the world of sports, all sports, so don't go away. Desi, you don't have to run. They'll understand. They always do.
Welcome back to The Daily Show. It has been a big week in sports. And so to catch you up on what's going on, we turn now to Ronnie Chang and Roy Wood Jr. in another episode of I Apologize for Talking While You Were Talking. What's up, sports nuts? I'm Roy Wood Jr. Stepping in for Michael Costa is Ronnie Chang. Ronnie, What's up? the World Series is here. Who you got winning? Well, I'm going for the New York Mets all the way, Roy. Woo! Okay, the Mets, they're not even in the series. It's Atlanta, Houston. Well, what can I say? I love an underdog story, baby. Fair <laughs> enough. Good luck to the Mets. But while baseball is ending, basketball is just getting started. And no one is more pumped up than Knicks fans after winning their home opener. Knicks are here, baby! The Knicks are De Blasio, we had Cuomo, it was rough shit, but we have the Knicks. We are the best team in the NBA, we are winning the NBA Finals this year. Put your women and children in the bed, that nigga box is coming down. Holy shit, Roy. The only other time you see New Yorkers this excited is when a relative with a rent-controlled apartment dies. Yeah, pretty much, man. These fans gotta relax. It's way too early, man. This is like riding the Titanic for 10 minutes and being like, ooh, this is a good-ass boat ride. Let's throw away the life jackets. No, see, what you gotta understand is how starved New York is for a winning team. Giants suck, Jets suck, Mm -hmm. the NYU chess team. I mean, I don't even need to say it. Everyone knows they suck. You call that a Sicilian defense, Gregor? Well, look, don't forget about the Brooklyn Nets, Ronnie. Brooklyn Nets. New York's real team. Yeah, they Nets. could go all the way. Could go all the way. And they also, much like the Knicks, have some insane fans. Chaos outside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn last night as anti-vax protesters breached the barricades ahead of the Nets' home opener. <laughs> So Nets guard Kyrie Irving not playing because he is refusing to be vaccinated for COVID-19 and defying the city's mandate. Arena staff and police got the crowd under control quickly and the game went on as scheduled. Damn, I've never seen fans try to storm an arena before. Yeah. I mean, were they there to support Kyrie Irving or hang Mike Pence? I think they probably just wanted to get inside and see what happens. But. Props to the arena staff, Ronnie. Controlling a crowd like that is not easy. Mm-hmm. You gotta fend them off with the COVID vaccine. You gotta pick up a needle and get back. I'll inoculate you. Get back, I'll hit your ass. Right, look, look, look. This situation has clearly gone out of hand. Okay, so I'm gonna make a personal plea here to Kyrie. Come on, Kyrie. Is this what you really want? A huge crowd of loyal fans chanting your name, willing to kill for you? you actually make it sound pretty good. That's not a bad deal. Yeah. Okay, actually, I can see how you could see it that way. In fact, you know what? Never mind, Kyrie. Uh, I'll, I'll get back to you on that later. Uh, speaking of violence, hey, uh, have you seen Squid Game, Roy? Yes and no. I watched it in its original Korean version with no subtitles, so I did not understand what was going on. Okay. Well, LeBron James has some thoughts about it, and it's causing quite the controversy. A superstar NBA player may have just set off a war of words with the creator of Squid Games. I'm talking about LeBron James here. James was caught on camera talking about Squid Games with fellow Laker Anthony Davis, saying that he hated the ending of the season. Yep, I did finish the plan. You finished a lot of tomorrow. You watched it? Yes. You done? Yes. I guess the little email sent me about the whole shit. Yeah, I didn't like the ending though. Now the hit show's creator is clapping back. In an interview with The Guardian, the creator jokingly <laughs> responded to James' criticism. He said, well, have you seen Space Jam 2? Oh, I love this, Roy. NBA rivalries were getting so stale. It's time NBA players start beefing with people in other fields. Mm-hmm. Next, I want to see Russell Westbrook talk shit about the new Wes Anderson movie. Look, I don't want to hear these guys exchanging words. I don't like it. 
I want them to settle this shit squid game style. Mm. Each of them gets 10 marbles and the loser faces the ultimate punishment. That's right, watching Space Jam 2. No, no, no. Why does everybody keep shitting on Space Jam 2? Have you seen it? It was great, yes, I saw it. I watched it in the original Korean version. I loved it. Okay, that explains a lot. Why are you watching everything in Korean? Because I lost my Roku remote. I can't change the language back on my TV. It is a small ass remote. It could be anywhere. Uh, okay, well, uh, your Roku remote isn't the only thing that disappeared, okay? Something else is disappearing from the NBA right now, too. It appears the days of players contorting their bodies to draw fouls may finally be taking a hit if you will. Due to a rule change, officials are no longer blowing the whistle on, quote, abnormal non-basketball moves made with the intent to draw fouls. Whatever you think of the new rules, they're making an impact across the NBA. This season, teams are averaging 19 and a half free throw attempts per game, which would be the lowest in any season in NBA wow. history. I think we can all agree that this is a great change for the NBA. Yes, man. I want NBA basketball to get back to the old school ways, mm. man. Tough defense, fewer whistles. Yeah, tiny short shorts that barely hide the player's junk. Coaches straight up smoking a cigar on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah, a team of all white dudes who get paid like 40 bucks a year and think dunking is unsportsmanlike. I, that's too far back. But I do say, I do say, Ronnie, kind of miss free throws. I do, I do, I miss the free throws, man. They give me a chance to grab a drink, take a break in the bathroom, and get a quick Korean lesson in on Duolingo. What? No, 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 free throws suck, man. You shouldn't get a point just because you do this. Oh, you, well, you get a point now. Yes, that's a foul. That's a foul. What if somebody comes up to you and does you like that? Was that a foul? Oh, was that a foul? Is that how it's gonna be? Yeah, was that? Oh, oh my hair! Is this a foul? Is this a foul? I got your phone right here. Stop playing, man. Wait, you know how to use those? Of course I do. Stop. Stop. That's a foul. That's, That's a foul. That's a foul. That's a foul. 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 You were right about the foul shots. You no, were right. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I stole your Roku remote because I was jealous. Sometimes I think you value your Roku more than our friendship. No. Not anymore. Back to you, Trevor. I Well, thank you so much, guys. I'm glad you worked it all out. All right, when we come back, I'm gonna have an actual Republican joining me on the show. I'm so excited. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is Republican pollster and author of The Selfie Vote, Kristen Saltis Anderson. She's here to talk about young voters, the polarization in America, and the future of the Republican Party. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Trevor. This is exciting. I think you are the, the first Republican guest I've had in, wow, six, seven months, Do eight I get a months, merit badge for you bravery? Should. You can take anything you want from the studio and you, can, uh, and you can take it with you. But your position is really interesting because you're not just a Republican, but you're a Republican pollster. As somebody who's constantly asking the questions, I'd, I'd love to get into your mind into what's happening in today's America. Like, so, so let's start, because you, because you specialize in this, I'd love to talk about the Republican Party. You've got the Republicans like Mitch McConnell, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, the old Paul Ryan, John Boehner-ish kind of like old school vibe. And then you've got Trump Republicans. That's what it feels like to me. And it seems like it's gotten to the point where even somebody like Mitch McConnell is seen as a rhino. And, and I'd, I'd love to know, 
Is that what's happening in the Republican Party, or is it even more complicated than that? Well, the Republican Party is pretty split between people who think of themselves as Republicans first okay. and people who think of themselves first and foremost as Trump supporters. They're oh. at the party, but they're mostly there because of Donald Trump. They're, they're less interested in the GOP label. You used to see, even before Trump came on the scene, if you asked people well, do you have a favorable or unfavorable view of the Republican Party? There were a lot of Republicans who would say they had an unfavorable view of the party because they viewed their own party leaders as being too weak, too willing to accommodate Democrats, etc. And that's part of why Donald Trump was able to come out of nowhere, surprise everybody, and win the Republican nomination in 2016. And that kind of stuck. Even today, when I ask Republican voters, what are the attributes they're looking for in a candidate? Uh -huh. Having a personality like Donald Trump is actually toward the bottom of the list, but being willing to fight like Donald Trump, take the fight to the Democrats, that is actually toward the top of the list of what Republicans are looking and for. And it's interesting because I've seen a lot of Democratic voters complaining that they don't feel like their leadership mm -hmm. fights enough to get what they want. Democrats may be a decade behind where Republicans were, that there's going to be a fight within the Democratic Party for does our party need to be focused on accommodating moderates, broadening mm -hmm, our mm -hmm, tent, mm -hmm. or do you need to take power when you have it and use it to accomplish as much as possible on your agenda? That's what we're seeing play out on Capitol Hill right now. So when, when you look at this fight that is happening within the Republican Party, for, for me, I, I, I often think that the polarization in America is in part created by the fact that you have two choices. And I've always thought if you have two choices, inevitably we are going to be enemies with each other. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, let's say in sports, we can all choose our teams. And then at some point I go like, all right, Kristen, you've got your team. I've got my team as Trevor. We hate that team together so we can team up and get something done. And I see that in politics, whether it's in South mm -hmm. Africa or in any place that has a parliamentary system, you're forced to create coalitions and alliances to get to a common goal, but you don't have to be on the, on the same team all the way through it. If there was some world where, for instance, say Trump has his own party, and then you have the traditional, with the Marco Rubio Republican Party. And then you have the Democrats, which is the Joe Biden, but then you also have like the Bernie Sanders mm -hmm. AOC Democratic Party. And just from what you've seen and what you've polled, how would people vote and, and what would the lay of the land be? So the Republican Party would probably look like, if we were in Europe, a combination of a traditional conservative party, your Tories in the UK, and a sort of further right, more populist, anti-immigration type party. And mm -hmm. you've got those in a number of different European countries as well. And the GOP is pretty split evenly between those two viewpoints. The Democratic Party, meanwhile, most Democrats tend to fall into that Labor Party type camp, more okay. of a center left. Um, but the youngest Democrats are pretty split between that and a Green Party type vision. And then, of course, you've got this little piece in the middle, which are the sort of fiscally conservative but socially progressive yes, yes. or libertarian types. There's not very many of them in the electorate. Um, they tend to be really overrepresented in business and media um, and my friend group, but there's just not that many out there. Um, but they tend to vote more Democratic than Republican. So that's what the, the coalitions would look like. But overwhelmingly, between the voters in both of those coalitions, they vote 80 plus percent partisan-wise the way you would expect. So both the right. populists and the conservatives they're voting Republican in almost the same measure. So even though if we split into five parties, it would be really fascinating and you'd have all sorts of deal making. Yes. You yeah. would still, I think, have this pretty binary coalition that would still form. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, then if it would be binary, then, then maybe this next question will, will help me understand some of the, the issues America faces. And that is because you are one of the few Republicans who I have the privilege of speaking to, I'd love to know from your perspective, what is it about Republicans that people don't understand? And I don't mean like the think pieces in the New York Times are like, what you don't get about why this man is racist. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, I meet many people who go, I'm Republican. 
and they go like, oh no, I, I believe in gay rights. I believe that mm -hmm. you know, gay people can get married and I also believe in this and I believe in, and, and I go like, oh, this seems like a, a blurring of what I thought Republican meant. So what is it you think that broadly Democrats don't understand about a, a person who says I'm Republican? I think there's an assumption that once you put that label on, that you are signing up for all of the policy positions that are on a party's platform that they adopted a convention. Okay. And that is not the case. To your point about, well, what if we had five parties? I mean, there are a lot of people in the U.S. that have really different views on issues than what the party label is that they wear. And so you have a lot of Republicans who might hold, you know, they might say, hey, I think climate change is a real problem. I don't love the Green New Deal, but I want to do something about it. Or, and we've seen that with younger Republicans. Exactly. Uh, and so I think there's a lot of assumption. It's easy on your own side to say, well, we've got a lot of different people in our tent. But on the other side, they're all the same. And that's just not true. In polling, we often fall into this trap of looking at things in terms of, well, this group is a monolith and that group is a monolith because we're breaking things down demographically. Yes. But it is true that I've rarely seen Republicans 100% agree on pretty much anything. And, and the same thing with Democrats, too. Do you think then the polarization is less about the parties and then maybe more about the fact that the parties themselves have chosen to only take one thing. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like in American politics, you remember in school when you were picking like your team to play with and then you'd be like, all right, I pick, I pick Barry and I pick John, I pick Amy and I pick, I pick uh, Emily. And it was like, then that's all you can have. Sometimes when I look at American politics, I think of that, I go, why is it that Democrats don't seem to want to claim like the finances? They don't want to claim the economics world of things. It seems like it's mostly social. And then on the Republican side, I don't see them trying to think about like, oh, okay, how would we fix immigration, not just shut down immigration? Is there something in that? Is, has politics gotten to a point where now people claim one side and so the other team has to claim the opposite side as opposed to presenting, I guess, differing ideas on how to fix the same issue? Well, it's definitely the case that take someone like Donald Trump, was able to polarize people on an issue just by taking a position on it. So yes. an issue like Russia is a perfect example, where Republicans used to view Russia as a threat, and Democrats thought, eh, not so much. And as soon as we got past the 2016 election, Democrats said, Russia is our number one adversary, and Republicans said, eh, man, you know, I don't really think about them as much anymore. So, you know, events, people can suddenly adapt their views to what's going on and where leaders stand. But I think our polarization is much less about where people stand on issues, because to the earlier point, lots of people believe things that don't all fit neatly into yes, one bucket. They right. take some from column A and some from column B. Our polarization instead is about a feeling of being under threat. That Democrats today feel very under threat from Republicans. They worry that Republicans are going to roll back voting rights. They mm -hmm. worry that Republicans want to take retrograde positions on cultural issues. And at the same time, Republicans worry that Democrats want to radically change America. And so the other thing that I think has driven Republicans to gravitate toward a figure like Donald Trump and this desire to just fight is that Republicans see themselves as losing influence, not just in Hollywood or academia, where Republicans have always complained they don't have power, but even in, say, big business. It used to be, not, you know, 10 years yes, ago, was right. Republicans were the party of big business. And now Republicans complain that they think big brands, sort of seeking younger consumers, are moving to the left culturally. Right. Um, you've also got uh, tech, for instance. You know, about 10 years ago, tech wasn't necessarily partisan, but Republicans nowadays sort of love to say, look, big tech is against yes, us. And it's that yes. sense of feeling under threat that I think leads a lot of Republicans to look for someone like Donald Trump, who they say will fight for them. So do you think the split came with Donald Trump? Because, because I remember a point where right, right before the, 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 the primaries, right before the race really began, right? Obama was leaving, and so the, the race was wide open. 
And I specifically remember Republicans saying, guys, we need to appeal to voters of color. We need to appeal to Hispanic voters. We need to get out there. We need to change. Women need to be in our ranks. We need to like get out there and we need... And then Donald Trump came and that just disappeared. And it seemed like the strategy was like, oh no, we're just gonna galvanize what we already have and get out the silent majority. And that's all we're looking towards. Has that become the shift? And do you think that that will just continue to be the path of the Republican Party for the time, for the time, you know, for the near future? I think everybody loves a winner. And so for Republicans, they saw Donald Trump pulling off something that Mitt Romney hadn't, that right. John McCain hadn't. Right. And so, okay, even if they personally are not stylistically Donald Trump-ish or didn't really like him that much, he put a W on the scoreboard. And I think that changed a lot of Republicans' minds. Oh. And that's part of why he is fighting so hard to make this case to claim that he didn't lose the 2020 election. Because for him, his power is entirely wrapped up in the idea of Republicans thinking, well, that's a guy who knows how to win. Mm. So the question is, if Donald Trump is now no longer in office and he's not running for office, at least in 2022, are there other Republicans who can put W's on the scoreboard by doing something a little bit different and give the party a different model for, okay, we tried that, it worked this one time, right. it didn't work in 2020, now let's try something different. I think Republicans will gravitate toward a new strategy if a new strategy can prove that it can win at the ballot box. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And uh, good luck. I know the midterms are going to start ramping up and you're going to be out there asking everyone every type of question. Hopefully we'll have you back on again to help uh, explain some of it. Thank you so much. Be sure to check out The Selfie Vote. It's a really fascinating book. And listen to The Trend Line with Kristen Saltis Anderson on Sirius XM. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go please consider supporting the Violence Intervention Program in New York City. They work within Latino communities to end domestic and sexual violence by providing emergency shelter, advocacy for long-term economic stability, and help healing for survivors and their children. If you want to support their work, please donate at the link below. Until next time, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, the next time your flight is delayed, you're not stuck at the airport, you're touring your new home. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central. And stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. Plus. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.